Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. Season three. Number three on KC Clap. I'm Alex Croson. Wow, we switched the in, the intro. It was a rhyme thing I wanted to do. I was hoping you were going to keep going with the uh, the uh, the sing songiness to it. Oh wow, that was some subtle setup, my man. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I I'm bad at setting things up. I'm just like, why did you do that? And you're like, do what? Like that thing I was thinking in my brain that you should have done, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> well, Casey, here we are. We've made it to 25 episodes. That's incredible. Ha- happy quarter century. Happy quarter century. Yeah, my my like good that. man. Lowercase c. I feel like this is century the way they talk about like bike races that are 100 miles. So yes, century. It's or like, centurions. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're just 100 years old. Is that right? Uh, y- yeah. Okay. I, I, a centurion is also a type of, I think, uh, ancient Roman soldier. That's, yeah, that was the other thing I was curious if you were thinking. Yes, of course. I'm always Whoops. thinking about ancient Roman soldiers. Are you <laughs> yeah, kidding me? I, I know that. I do. I should have <laughs> just made the assumption. I'm sorry. Casey, if I'm honest... And I'm going to be really vulnerable here. All right, I'd like that. When we started this project, I wasn't, sh- I couldn't see it past about six episodes. About six? Yeah. Wow. I just didn't know what it was going to be, what it was going to look like. I was very afraid mm-hmm. of going into this thing. Okay. I felt simultaneously confident and uh, totally lacking confidence. Ah, uh, yeah, that's how I live my life. Boy, oh boy. Uh, but here we are at episode 25, our third season. Look at us. I mean, we we decided to make seasons 12 episodes. They could have been, you know, 20 episodes. Then we'd be in season two. Yeah, which is dumb. So I don't want to pat ourselves on the back for being in season three when we set the, the season length. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I think we should actually read Justice and say we're in season five. Yes. Because we only have five episode seasons. I am not going to go back and change all of the uh, episode descriptions. <laughs> you have one job, Alice. <laughs> Uh, you but, also need to edit all of the Instagram posts. Oh, my Lord. Sorry. I will say we didn't set the season length. Uh, Mother Nature did. Thank you. I was going to actually note that, that we just agreed with a set parameter of uh-huh. the Northern Hemisphere. That's I right. I guess all, both hemispheres, just different times. It's hard not to agree with the set parameter for Mother Nature. Yeah, it's true. And Casey, speaking of Mother Nature, Ugh. we are in, on the tail end, I would say. Somewhat long tail. Of... A fucking ridiculous heat wave in oh Portland, God. more generally in the Pacific Northwest. That's exactly right, Alex. Yeah. You uh you you went down to the river, you said you have air conditioning, tiny little apartment here, and it's still hot. Yes. I went to the river with uh uh my partner mm-hmm. and boy oh boy, I did it to 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 prove my admiration for this person. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked away. I I almost said I almost had to leave the river in a body bag. I it, can't. That's the worst, Alex. It was terrible. Oh man, I went down the river and just stood in it for a long time. In fact, I think I've been in two rivers since uh, this has all come down. Yes. Well, uh, you're you're accustomed to such a thing. I'm an indoor boy. Yeah, that's right. I I uh, I'm I'm basically a vampire, and I yeah. I damn near died out there. <laughs> just yeah. Well, I think anyone could be a vampire in this weather. The sun would have burned anyone's skin no matter how much they go out the, outside yeah 115 degrees that's just so awful and alex of course i just have to say it this is climate change it's happening like yes. we're seeing the repercussions of it yes i read about it it's a uh this was uh tropical 
whole uh, cyclones that are happening earlier, because they're happening earlier, what normally would be a kind of low pressure time in like June, uh-huh. it is now becoming. Uh, that's happening earlier so you get this like bump in like a heat where you get this high pressure system that then like draws warm air from the tropics and from the east it was just like the all these things happen earlier now but then of course now we're just gonna have july and august the hottest days or hottest months of the year yeah oh boy um it i yeah i just i have have to say to to people who 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 are still denying that climate change is even real uh portland had a ice storm yeah. and a heat wave within like four months of each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Insane. And like both of them were massive, like really big things. Yeah. No one has ever really experienced. I think Seattle uh, or Spokane, some place was like, um, you. they broke their record for having the X amount of days over 100 in a row. And it was like three. And wow. then uh, here in Portland, like you said, it was like, I think seven or eight degrees higher than our have the last high temperature that we had in like 1989 and 1965 or something like that wow so i want to know yes it has happened before but those were spikes and now they're happening all those spikes are just closer together because we're changing these things so you know it is what it is it's climate change and on top of that we're doing a tree podcast Uh and this is why we are doing it this is the whole reason i'm here is because i was like we got to tell people about this like this is my job to proselytize i every time i I was just sitting outside and like the only possible place it would be comfortable to sit underneath a tree yeah Usually in a river, but you couldn't even be in the sun in the river because the sun and the ambient air temperature was so hot. Yeah, I I had not a tree, but a, a vinyl pop up. Yeah, and um, being underneath that even was like being in an oven. Yeah, right. Um, just terrible. Just terrible. So everyone, if you are looking to do something to help not stop this, because let's be honest, it's unstoppable at this point. Mm-hmm. A, ride your bike everywhere if you can. And B, please, 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 please go plant a tree and rip up a little bit of pavement, a big tree. We'll even talk about that a little bit here today. But my goodness. I will say the best way for us common humans, I feel, mm-hmm. is to vote for people who believe in this thing that's happening yeah there you go and create can create legislature that prevents corporations from dumping just like an obscene amount of emissions into the atmosphere uh and it's their fucking fault yes it's it's not your fault because you drive to work in the morning uh sure take a bike like casey does take a bike but also vote well we got to change the status quo alex i think is what you're saying yes yeah Season three, Casey, uh, here's what it is. <laughs> Last season, we went on a world tour. Yep. Quite happy to be home. I feel very comfortable. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry, I don't. Never mind. Take no, back. it's hot in here. <laughs> need to go to the mountains. <laughs> we just turned the air conditioning off to record this. Um, <laughs> so season two was a world tour. Season three is classic, which just means that we're doing some, we're catching up on some trees that we wanted to do season one, but we couldn't. Yep. A lot of uh, listener requested trees, a lot of trees that you want to do, a lot of trees that I wanted to do. Yep. We're not going to tell everyone what those are. So you just get to sit patiently with bated breath, hoping yes. that your request was answered. Yes, and I think we're about to answer one of them now. I think so. Casey, this week, for our first episode of Season 3, we are discussing the Bradford Pear. Blah! A hot and button tree, if ever there were one. Yeah, I guess that's a fair way to put it. Yes. Well, Casey, uh, <sighs> let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I are walking... Oh, we could be walking down here on 20th Avenue. I was going to say... About four blocks from my home, uh, and we get a whiff of something. <laughs> I see what you did there. Just potent as anything, and yeah. I go, um, Casey? And I yeah. look at you like, is that you? And I'm like, this is not me. <laughs> what We see some Bradford pear trees. We do. What do they look like? Let's discuss morphology, a word that I am currently obsessed with using You're doing it really well too <laughs> thank you yeah no doubt uh let's talk leaf uh mar- margin okay let's talk uh <laughs> bark pattern and let's certainly talk smell casey clapp renowned andrologist casey clapp 
our first take it away of the season. This is a notorious tree. Notorious in several ways, the first of which we will talk about after I describe all those things you just asked me to describe. Okay. I almost skipped to the good stuff. Wow. Don't want to do that. Got to build up. That's right. So, the way this tree works is it is a beautiful pear tree. Would you call this part foreplay? (laughs) No, I would not, Alex. You cackling in the corner, so proud of yourself. Go go ahead. Bradford play. Go ahead. Bradford play. Wow. I can't quite get there. I I liked it. (laughs) All right. So, this is a pear tree. So, pears in the genus Pyrus Mm. are quite common. Everyone knows Pyrus communis, the classic pear that we get our delicious fruit from. I think that's a communist pirate. It is. It's a, yeah, that's true. Pyrus communis. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Look at you and your creativity just bouncing off the walls right now. That was the equivalent of Brad Ford play. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Okay, we should both stop. I just wanted to make the, I just want to level the playing field. (laughs) Yeah, bring it down to my level. Thank you. Well, in this case, uh, we are talking about a pear tree that does not have delicious fruit that you can eat. I have to say, I generally don't like pears. It's, they're never been my favorite. <gasps> wow, okay. It's the same thing for apples. Like, I just, I, mm-hmm. they, they get you, you eat one and you're hungrier afterwards. They are the same bastardized gigantic fruit that will crush the tree that it's on. Blah, 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 blah. blah not blah. a poem, man, huh? I, you know, <sighs> no, not really. Cool. Not really. I can say that. The ones that are, they're edible. Eh, not that good. My my thing with pears, high ratio of bad pears to good pears. Ooh, yeah. In my experience, it's, uh, Larry da- David said this about apricots. It's hard to find a good pear. Yeah, it's it's exactly. I'm glad he said that about apricots. <laughs> but, but when I do, man, oh man, I I love a pear. Yeah, a good pear. Gotta right. have a good one. That's fair. That's fair. Well, this is a bad pear. It is inedible for humans. The little tiny fruit when it makes fruit is about the size of maybe a, a nickel size little globe of oh, a wow. poem. Okay. Yes, and you did note uh, that it is a poem. It's in the rose family, which is um, a very large family. They have these yes. nice little white flowers that have five petals, and they usually are just this big puffy cloud of white in the springtime. Mm-hmm. And they have um, in the their fruit in the fall when it actually matures are these little kind of... Uh, they're they're kind of mauve colored, you know, kind of like a I don't know, a light grayish brownish with like little specks on it. The fruit are that's what the fruit look like. Yeah, okay. these little tiny circles. Interesting. And of course, a poem p o m e is a, the fruit that you referenced earlier. Those fruits are fruits that have the actual receptacle, the stem tissue that holds onto the flower. That is actually what expands out and becomes fleshy, which is why um, pears and apples have such a strange texture for fruit. Yeah. And then if you look on the very bottom, you can see those little sepals from where the flower was, because the flower was at the very bottom of the fruit, and then the base of that flower became the the actual fruit that you eat that's right so the ovary itself actually is the core that little like papery bit in the middle has those Mm -hmm. seeds that part is actually the flower or the the ovary that goes back down into the uh into the receptacle there no kidding yeah exactly there you go i i feel like i've had a pair before that had like a little umbilical cord going through the bottom half of it oh really connected to the ovary yeah that very well might be where it'd be kind of like um kind of a stringy sort of um that goes connective tissue almost like from the top or from the the very bottom of the fruit where like the little sepals would be yeah from the yeah. sepals up through the middle of the fruit yeah. to the to the uh, core yeah that's totally it yeah that's exactly it because that would be the the kind of line um, that the pollen would have had to go to get down into the ovary section wow interesting yeah, it got elongated surely as the fruit got bigger of course sure um, let's see what else about this little thing all right so it has this really rough bark. Okay. Especially as it gets older, it's broken up into little square plates um, along the side. It's not like comfortable to like put your hand on. You don't want to really climb it. It's it's very pokey, and they have um, long leaves that are simple, alternately arranged leaves that have really long petioles. That's a really cool ID characteristic of these trees, where they um, their leaves they kind of pop out and they kind of are on just the classic. Um, fruit tree little pegs and so you usually get a bunch of leaves that all pop out from like the same little little peg bud that's coming out peg stem little bouquets of leaves yeah that's exactly it and they have um, I think their their margins have like the tiniest little serrations on it and those really really long petioles that are like almost the same size or longer than the leaf blade itself the margin is quite uh, 
hmm, wavy. Yeah, it's very yeah. That is very true. The it, the whole thing. Yeah, it's like a it's like a fried piece of bacon. How it gets kind of curly and curvy. Yes, perfect example. It's like that all the way around the edge. Why yeah. does it do that? Um, honestly, I don't know. I think that's just the way some leaves get curl or get wavy like that. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't tell you exactly why. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's because it puts on so much growth in between the uh, the veins that it just doesn't have enough room to be straight. So it kind of has to arc a little bit. Yeah. So it's like constri- it's like pu- tension a little bit. It's pulling itself. Um. No more compression. It would be pushing the leaf like so oh. you're trying to you're trying to fit a flat piece of paper that's eight inches wide in between something that's only seven inches wide right so, so it kind it curls of bends a itself bit. up yeah i see so the buds have uh these they're like little hairy kind of dark brown buds and that's a fun way to to find these trees and identify them during the winter time sometimes they'll have fruit that's hanging on there on these little little um long they, they kind of look like I, I imagine like a globe on a string or something like that mm. or like you know those balloons that they're like perfectly circular balloons, but they don't put them on strings. They like have them on sticks, so it's very yes. firm. That's kind of what I, I see them looking like. 100%. Yeah, but just like a bunch of them. Uh, some people will understand this reference as it is summertime. There are like, There's like this brand of like water balloon that you can, that come in a, basically a bunch, uh-huh. like almost like a bunch of bananas. Okay. And you, and you screw it into the hose, this cap on the end. Yeah. And you turn the hose on and it fills up like 15 balloons at once. What? And they're all on sticks and they, and then, so the balloons are hanging down here and the sticks are coming up to the cap. I've never heard to of a this. point. It looks just like those. Oh my god! Okay, there you go. Just for a little visual reference for like yeah. five people. Well, you know what? Those five people are gonna be so stoked that you did that. That's what I'm here for. Well, thanks, Alex. I'm here for the one percent, the hey, bottom one percent. The bottom one percent. Yeah, we're just lowering everything here. <laughs> Season three, no regrets. So the other uh, fun thing about these trees is they don't grow very big. They're finally they're kind of small trees. They have a couple different varieties. Some that'll grow straight up. Some that kind of go and like grow up and kind of curve over and maybe about 30 or 40 feet tall. They really don't get massive. And they have these really kind of bronze, red, orange fall color. Mm-hmm. So we just named a couple things about these trees that everyone loves for whatever reason. They have really beautiful fall color. Okay, credit. They have really beautiful flowers. Okay, credit. Mm-hmm. They also don't get very tall. And people are like, well, I don't want a big, tall tree because that means maintenance. Give me a nice little flowering tree. Right, it's a nice medium flower tree. Exactly. So it kind of fits all those really dumb, ideal boxes that um, people decide that this is how they think a good tree should be. Right. So it has all those things. Everyone wants a nice, beautiful flowering tree. However, Alex, mm. I believe you're familiar, this tree does not quite have it has a tag along that i think is really <laughs> funny <laughs> everyone's like oh these flowers are so beautiful but man what smells so bad yeah it certainly can't be these gorgeous flowering trees next to us right guess what it's the trees it is and alex what do they smell like i know you're asking you're begging yourself in your mind well because this is such a wholesome podcast we don't want to say exactly what it smells like oh come on but we want people to have something in your brain to kind of get you there and this is how i would describe it um could you give to me a um describe what would you call Uh a uh a group of sailors um on the ocean uh um well I guess depending on where they're from, the Navy? Yes, it smells like the Navy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you, uh, if you were putting a bunch of people who had, um, the, let's say they had names, and you were trying to alphabetize um, these people, specifically male-identifying people, okay. and you're trying to put them into groups, um, and you said, um, well, this, the, these are the A-men, and uh-huh. then the next group would be the B-men, and uh-huh. then you know, so on and so forth. Um, this, these trees smell like a group in the first, let's say, three letters of the alphabet. Oh, the third man. Yes, exactly. The third man. The classic film. That's uh, exactly it. The directed by, and I'm not Googling, this is off the top of my head. Alex, I love it when you talk slow. It lets me keep up. Directed by Carol Reed. That's exactly right. It smells like the movie Third Men by Carol Reed. Written by Orson... Orson Welles, this tree smells like Orson Welles. It does. That's exactly what it smells like. Famously so. And you know what? All those things don't smell that great. (laughs) Casey, let's be up front with our intelligent, educated audience. (laughs) These trees smell straight up 100% like... 
Semen. Semen. Oh, you know, yeah, you'll know it next spring. I know right now this is going to come out in the middle of summertime, so you're not going to be exposed to it, but this is going to be a glass-shattering moment for people in the springtime. Yes. They are going to walk down the street, and all of a sudden they're going to be like, what is it? Oh, my God, it's, it's just as they said. Yeah, I don't know if the like nature enthusiast community on social media are much of marked memers, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Bradford pair is is among the memes. It should be. If um, it's not, it's they're missing out. But yeah, I guess yeah, it, it's a very niche meme, isn't it? Black Forester says they smell Forester Forager. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, says they smell like excitement goo. <laughs> I think that was the term she used. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the case. And so, you know what? Yeah. Aside from other things that I'm going to talk about in of my opinions of these trees, mm-hmm. shall we say, that helps make it a low one. I don't want to give anything away here. Low? But it's just, come on. You, you know, you always want a flower that smells nice. Isn't that the kind of thing? You put flowers, what is it, uh, ring around the rosy, pocket full of posy. You put your pocket, you, you know that like old nursery rhyme? Yes, and it's it's very dark uh, it's, oh, backstory. Yeah, <laughs> super dark backstory. <laughs> but the entire idea is that they thought the air was bad, so they would take flowers and put them in their pocket to help purify the air. Well, yes. And that would stop the plague. And they eh, they kind of missed the mark on that one. I Yeah, I, I, similar. I, maybe maybe we're talking about exactly the same thing, which is different details, but maybe that the person themselves stank because they were rotting alive oh yeah so they would put posies in their pockets to cut down on the reek yeah it's kind of the same idea yeah uh, i heard bad air that was what they diagnosed uh, the oh, cause of the plague oh boy bad air human beings huh hey we tried uh yeah i i, I see it's losing points for you because of the smell but hey man yeah. We'll see when we come to the hey, that's fair. the review section. We'll see what we'll see how it actually comes down here. Casey, do you do you know anything about the smell, like botanically, like what's happening? Uh, you know, I really don't. I honestly, in this case, uh, the only thing I could say, like not out of a known fact, but like a understood fact, uh-huh. is that the smell from flowers is a direct thing for some pollinator okay. so they would have a certain smell and that would attract a certain insect or a certain uh pollinator of some kind usually that would be an insect sometimes it's a bat sometimes it's a bird of some kind in this case i i'm pretty sure because of the kind of flower like they're little teeny tiny flowers they're great for pollinators because they you know have all sorts of they're open they don't they're not fancy double flowers so they have all the nectar and uh, things that they'd want yeah Poll- pollen i guess um but Honestly, maybe just flies, you know, like there are mm. um, lots of flowers that smell like rotting flesh. And Jesus. it's like, why does it smell like that? It's like, well, it gets flies to visit. And when flies visit, they love it. They're just like, this smells delicious. Where's the, there's no rotting flesh here. <laughs> but then they get covered in pollen and go find the next one. I'll have this instead. Yeah, right. So, so it could be, and in fact, it probably is that because this is not the only tree that smells like this. If you smell other things, um, other hawthorns, which are very closely related. <gasps> Related, they also have poem-like fruits. Rose not family, like their poems. Right. Yeah, they you can. They also, if you go and smell them specifically, I'm thinking the Lavelle Hawthorn. It also just has just this rank smell. Where you're like, wow, that is not floral at all, and wow. it's but it's not quite as pungently particular as the calorie pear. Yeah. But the calorie pear, pear really, when you're if you're putting it in a box, you know exactly which box to put it in. All the other ones, you're just like, I don't know, it just doesn't smell like good. You used this word uh, when describing the smell of the female ginkgo, the rotting female ginkgo seed. Okay. And I have just loved it and used it so frequently ever since. The smell of the Bradford pear is ruckus. <laughs> yes. All right, good. I'm glad you use it. There you go. This is a this the smell smells ruckus. Yeah. Well, Casey, should we should we uh, get into some Croson's homegrown trivia? Yeah, yeah. What do you what you got here? Okay. Here's here's some some fun little fast facts about uh, uh, the Bradford pear. Okay. All right. Pear wood in general. So this is not specific to the Bradford pear, but why not? Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, wood for making wind instruments oh yeah okay all right casey can you name me some woodwinds off the top of your head Ooh, woodwinds woodwinds uh the woodwinds i think, think about of... a symphony yes okay mm-hmm. and which of those include wind blowing into them but are also made of wood so not not oh. any brass oh instruments. yeah oh, the clarinet clarinet a woodwind yes an oboe 
Also a woodwind. Uh, Name me one more. One more? Yeah. Ow, Think shoot. big oboe. Mm, a tenor sax. Not quite. Bassoon. Bassoon. Oh, I don't think I ever would have got that. It's kind of a sleeper hit. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I wouldn't have done it. Those are woodwinds. They're those, made of wood. Those are woodwinds. They're made of wood. Huh. You even have a wooden reed. Yes, that's uh, what I was familiar with. But yeah. so do horns, don't they? Not horn. Like the uh, saxophone has that. A uh, saxophone has a wooden reed. Yeah, yeah, uh, the brass pick. section do not. Did you like spit in it and you put your tongue on it weird? You I think do. I tried to do that once. I just couldn't do it. It's very you, strange. You do have to moisten it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and uh so pearwood uh, is is extremely fine textured uh so it's good for these for these uh wind instruments pearwood especially good for baroque era woodwinds really now what does that mean what 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 makes a baroque era woodwind different uh, um, well i guess that it was used in the baroque period oh. uh but we're talking wooden flutes and recorders especially oh i see all right don't well, ask me why my research stopped there basically i see i see well they do i do i do see things on this where i also see that it's commonly used in veneer architectural millwood marquetry i don't know what that means mark marquetry like marquees hmm i don't know and musical instruments specifically so yes i think the i I wonder why this is one of those things where like remember with the organ white oak yeah i was like i could go to a winery and be like oh it looks like you are using organ white oak for your barrels because that's like the most common one yeah this is something you'd be a oboe player you could be like oh oh is that made of uh, it's pear wood isn't it yeah and they'll be like wow you're like you have a really high success chance uh chance of success huh of getting that right. I didn't know that. Well, there you go. That's really interesting. I'm always so curious. I get. I wonder because it's just such a, a nice, uh, like, tight-grained wood because it doesn't grow really fast in terms of, like, getting wide. Yeah, it's probably... because so it stays really small. It's probably good at funneling the air and air doesn't yeah. seep out of it, I reckon. Oh, I see. Uh, also, the reason it's good for using... Uh, it's good for making uh, woodcuts for printing. Yeah, okay. Um, traditionally, European woodcuts. In Japan, they used our friend, the Japanese cherry. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, because they're, I think, actually, another, I, cherries and apples, pears, these things, these things, they're all known to have really, really hard wood. Fruit woods. Yes, exactly. That's right. Uh, and then, Casey, it, wow. the, the uh, Bradford pear was first introduced in the U.S. in 1909. 1909. I, I think that's right. By a plant explorer. 1909? Uh, that feels feels like it's seven years earlier than i thought oh well we'll get into that Mm, yeah we sure will by a plant explorer named frank meyer and casey oh old frank meyer here's a little bit of a cliffhanger (gasps) we're gonna talk more about frank meyer and his plant exploring odyssey after this quick break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary, Season 3, Episode 1, Classic. Mm. We're talking Bradford Pear, mm. our stinky, stinky friend, yeah. Casey. Alex. Let's get into the meat of this episode. This is a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about right now. It comes from a book called Urban Forests by okay. Jill Jones. Ooh. I think it's Jones, but it's J O N N E S. So oh. it might be Jonas. Jonas? Yeah, I don't or know. Jonas? Yeah, Giannis. Giannis? I like Giannis. Well, well you can find this book. On our website, completelyarbitrary.com slash books. We'll have it there. That's right. We're going to start doing this where we have a page of all of our book recommendations. Yeah, which there are many. So Jill talks about uh, urban forests in a grand sense. Um, Again, we've talked about these a couple different times. Urban forests are the trees that grow or the forests that grow inside urban areas. That's right. Could be a suburb, could be a big city, downtown, parks, uh, cemeteries, street trees, backyard trees, mm-hmm. all those trees that grow in and around where people live that isn't just like a rural area where there's, you know, the density is much lower in terms of human habits or habitations, right? R- right. 
Uh, so in this book, she talks about um, the history and specifically talks about this gentleman, Frank N. Meyer, you have mm. listed here. Now, Frank is a, a really interesting guy. He's a Dutchman originally. Ah. And he is actually, he's he is a crazy character. <laughs> and the reason that he's crazy is that they just kind of found him in, in I, I don't even know where he was. I think he was in when they first hired him, I think he was just on like a foray in like Cuba and Mexico, just like looking at plants, working at nurseries here and there, and then just kind of wandering around. Wow. He's the kind of guy that would walk barefoot just left. Like he's just walking. He's like, I'm going to go see what's over there. And then just walks for several days in a direction and then comes back and is like, oh, it's a lot of cool stuff. (laughs) Plant explorer is right. He is a plant explorer. And specifically, he was a extremely notable plant explorer in the early 1900s over in China. Right. China was just also just not very explored. Like it just did not have the, um, the amount of infrastructure that you would have in different other places, especially in terms of colonialized. It certainly had issues, but there just wasn't like, oh yeah, we're going to send a bunch of people over here willy-nilly because this is a place that we own. It was just unexplored from the Western perspective, okay. especially in terms of plants where they just had not gone into the deep, dark forests of China and brought out all these different plants. Hmm. So I'm always a fan of this um, because I think it's really interesting to go in and find new plant species and plant them around the world. Like I, it's not always good. Sometimes they really turn out horribly, mm. but there's so many different plant species that are so gorgeous that we have planted like here in your house right now. These are tropical plants that we have as house plants. That's right. They help brighten our day. And Casey, uh, this whole going into China and finding plants thing reminds me of our stellarly rated tree, the Don Redwood. Yes. Or the River Oak, as it was called locally. That's right. So this guy, in fact, I wanted to read from her book uh, to talk about what happened to this guy. Um, So this is... is, a, a guy, his name's, okay, so this is Myers. And then Fairchild was his boss who's basically hiring him. He was like, um, I want to find this guy and send him out to China to go find these things, but who is this guy? And this is how passionate Myers was about trees. Specifically, it says, Myers described how a, quote, stubborn plant pathologist who did not know enough to mulch them, and he's talking about some trees that were they were dying or some bamboos, um, who did not know enough to mulch them would not let Meyer do it either. They had died in consequence and related Fairchild. As Meyer told me about it, his eyes filled with tears. Uh. From that moment, Meyer and I were friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real Casey Clap meet cute. It totally is. He's just like crying because he's like, all oh, these bamboo died because this guy just didn't mulch him, man. Wow. And then they were like, yeah, you're you're my man. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, so this guy cares. He is, he's not a like colonizer in the sense where he's like going to go and take all the plants and completely be, you know, a uh, an awful person where there are plenty of instances of that where they come in they're just like we're gonna take everything you have he like had a guide and would like go stay in villages and like would take all the local transportation it was just this real man of the plants so Mm. to speak Uh, a casey of his time uh well i wish man and you know what he actually died in very uh mysterious circumstances wait can i guess oh sure did he die in a pit trap? <laughs> Isn't that how all these guys have to go out? Yeah, I think so. It's just the glory of the whole thing. It's like you you know as soon as you sign up, he probably had that on his mind the whole time. Yeah, it's like an unri- it's like an unwritten rule like if you come across a pit trap and you're plant exploring, you have to throw yourself in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's for the glory of your name. Yes. No, unfortunately not. No one knows he was on a Unfortunately yeah, not. I know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. All right, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> He he ended up, I think he was just on a boat, like on a riverboat, uh-huh. and there was some civil unrest in the area, and he last was seen leaving his room on the riverboat, and then they found his body like 50 kilometers down Whoa. in the river. No one knows exactly what happened. Interesting. Yeah. But, Casey, it sounds like a job for the completely arbitrary boys. It sure does. We'll get right back to you. <laughs> you and I become detectives for this one case. <laughs> Years later, we just have sticky notes with lines drawn through. Yeah. The Chinese Revolution. And then we figure it out and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like finding that one plant. Yeah. Oh, what a sad experiment. Mm, sorry, Frank. Well, old Frank uh, ended up finding this tree and specifically he was sent out there Um uh, um, by his uh, his uppers over at the USDA to work on finding a nice 
tree for the pear orchard industry. Wow. Because our pears were getting destroyed by fire blight. Okay. This is a disease that comes through. It has a big problem and kills a lot of trees. At least it certainly did back then. This is in 1916 before we had our industrial chemicals in terms of like uh, pesticides and things like that. Let me say one thing really quick. Please do. Sorry, I'm very, I'm very, I'm extremely uh, scatterbrained today, but I can't let this go unsaid. Never. Fire blight. Yes. Sounds so much like a Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> it should be. Or Why any, don't we make it one? Or any number of RPG spells, like a, like a fire mage might cast fire blight. Yeah. And it's fire like, blight on you and your village. I think it would do like, if I had to, if I had to make something up at the top of my head, yeah. fire blight would do like uh, five fire damage and then it would burn uh, sev- for several turns. Oh, so you would, you would I see. Receive five damage at the start. Then the next turn, you would receive a tick of three damage. Oh. Next turn after that, you would receive a tick of one damage. I gotcha. Because it burns you uh, as slowly you know, over, over time. time. Yeah, yeah. this is a mage. Well, don't cast a fire blight on me, but also don't cast them on our pears. Uh-oh. It, it is common, a very contagious disease, and it gets on like pears and apples and things like that. As it works out, the calorie pear is extremely resistant to fire blight. Oh. So they were like, sweet, we got this really cool pear tree that we can bring back over here and it can be resistant to fire blight. So we can wow. have a pear species that has a resistance. And the idea would be, of course, you breed the resistance of the calorie pear into the other trees that exist that already make our big fruit. Oh. Or you breed these things together so that you can then get big, big fruited trees that are also resistant to fire blight. It can just grow in anywhere. This is another thing that everyone loved about it. They're like, well, we can plant it here because it can take everything from the most arid, dry, unforgiving mountain slopes to having its feet literally covered in water in a swamp and it will grow just the same so it was a great tree to plant in our streets they thought i see and of course they brought it over here and we started planting it and this is what someone said about it one time it said few trees possess every desired attribute but the bradford ornamental pear comes unusually close to the ideal oh boy that's what they said there's and an, then came and, the spring. Uh, then came the spring, and, and that's why it got so unusually close. That was where it. That was where it peaked out right there. Right. Well, uh, aside from that, Alex, uh-huh. the tree itself had brought or came over, and it has inevitable fruit. It's just these little teeny tiny, you know, things. So we never really liked to eat it. We would plant it. Um, we'd use the rootstock because the rootstock's really, really tough. But as we've talked about before, we've done that with a lot of different things and that rootstock can still sprout. So if you cut that tree down or say for whatever reason it gets injured, the rootstock may in fact send up a sprout. That sprout comes up. That sprout then could still be making all the same things as the initial Bradford pear that it came from. Mm -hmm. So it could be that it has fertile fruit, for instance. Okay. And this becomes important because those little tiny pears that we don't eat are delicious for birds. Birds love them. I see. Especially birds in the southeastern United States. I'm thinking Hmm. somewhere like, I don't know, Missouri. Okay. If you go to Columbia, Missouri, you'll see the effect of fertile pear fruit and uh, mix it with a bunch of different kinds of birds, and you end up getting an invasive species. Wow. Extremely invasive species. So I always mix up the terms like... Uh, not that this is like an official term, but like a uh-huh. fast grower, okay. right? With invasive species. Ah, yeah. Invasive species means that this tree came from somewhere else. Yep. It was planted in this new place. Yes. And whoops, it outcompetes everything around it and grows like crazy. Yes, exactly. Unforeseen by the humans who planted it. That is precisely it. Okay. So, so it, you- it doesn't just mean that it like grows really fast and out of control. Yeah. It means that it has the capability to do that because it outcompetes everything because it's not in its native homeland. Yes, and specifically, it reproduces. That's the big thing. Oh, sure. It will self-seed. So you can have a super fast-growing tree that doesn't do anything, that just doesn't reproduce for whatever reason. I see. A ginkgo can be a really fast-growing tree that doesn't reproduce anywhere at all. Yeah. At least most of the time. But then, uh, the calorie pear, what makes it invasive is it grows really fast, puts out a bunch of fruit. That fruit then 
gets eaten by birds, pooped somewhere else, then they grow really fast from the fruit. So you get a bunch of seeds that get planted that are viable that then produce offspring. Those offspring then take over. And it's not like these uh, grow patterns are predictable. It's not like these trees, these new trees are growing right next to the mother tree. Yeah, exactly. Because the birds are carrying it to who who knows where. Wherever it happens to be. And it's like a, it's just like in, an infection that just pops up in a bunch of different places. That's exactly it. That's wow. just, yeah, yeah, it's disgusting, isn't it, when you think about it that way? You're just like, a, like an infection of an invasive species. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. Well, in this case, you're, you're exactly right. And the, the term I would um, encourage that you use is exotic versus invasive. Wow. Where it's kind of a square versus a rectangle kind of thing. Oh. Where an invasive species is, by definition, an exotic species. Sure. But an exotic species is not necessarily invasive. These will take over the forest. Okay. And that's exactly what they do, Alex. They take over the forest and they're super invasive. But that is not what we talked about or came here to talk about oh. because they became invasive in a very specific way. Interesting. And that way is when they were growing these, they said, wow, this tree's got it all. It comes as close to perfection as can be. Mm-hmm. And so at the time in the uh, this is all coming out in the 1960s so they initially found it in the early uh 16 or the early 1900s right right 40 or 50 years later you started having big trees and they started developing them a little bit more and said oh this one kind of grows upright it's really perfect it doesn't grow past this we've had these trees now for 40 years we see what they do and then they decide they're going to grow a bunch of those and now there's a bunch of different cultivars one's called like Chanticleer Chanticleer Capital Bradford autumn blaze aristocrat so there's all these different cultivars some that grow really upright some that have big flowers some that stay a little bit short these kinds of things okay and when you you just included bradford in that yes and am am i stepping on your toes here no not at all well that i just want to bring up the fact that this episode will be called bradford pear Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. and everybody else knows these stinky trees as bradford pear yes but they're really Calorie pears. That's exactly right. Pyrus caloriana. They are the calorie pear. Named after this guy, Calorie. He's a, um, a I believe they call him a French-Italian uh, sinologist, which so, is basically he studies China. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Scenologist, maybe. So the, the, the Bradford pear is a variety of the calorie pear? Yes, exactly. Created in those first days of, of cultivation and, mm-hmm. and experimentation? That's it. That's exactly what happened. Cool. So usually they would use them interchangeably. So a Bradford pear, they usually just, a calorie pear and a Bradford pear, essentially the same thing. Okay. They just, that's what they call it. Even though it would technically be considered a cultivar of the native one, Pyrus caloriana, that grows in Southeast Asia. China and Korea and Japan. Got it. So you have this tree. Everyone thinks it's great. Um, And they started um, at the time, things that we will talk about later this season, Alex. Ooh, teaser. There were a bunch of trees that we had that were gorgeous, gorgeous trees that we planted everywhere throughout our cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example would be the American elm. Another example would be um, at the time they planted the tree of heaven. They oh. also, yeah, you know, classic trees. No spoilers. No spoilers here. <laughs> anyway, we planted a lot of different trees. And so during or during the post-World War um, era, uh, we started losing a lot of these trees to different diseases or different uh, things. So when they're saying, well, what are we going to replace all of our trees with? They had this fun idea. They said, well, we have this really beautiful pear tree. Mm-hmm. It can take the worst soil conditions. So why don't we plant them on the, in the streets where we have these little teeny tiny planter spaces that we just want some nice tree in? Sounds great. Let's do it. Oh, they only get 30 feet tall. Even that's, better. We don't have to worry about the power lines that are above us. That's that, just excellent. That's right. And wait, wait, what, it, what do they look like in the springtime? They have these beautiful flowers. <gasps> wow, Spectacular. Gorgeous. Well, what about the fall time? I guess they're just drab, right? No, they're beautiful. <laughs> they got these great orange colors. It just makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> everyone planted these trees. They thought they were the next best thing. This is why they say there's like, oh, this tree is the closest it comes. They thought that this tree was going to be the next big thing. They being the Forest Service and then later um, landscape architects and people who are like, oh, we're going to make a really nice thing. And then there is all of the post 
World War II development. When they started making all these gigantic developments in the post-war era, they wanted to plant these beautiful trees. Right. So these are the trees that they decided to plant. Wow. Because these trees were so popular and like pushed. I think Lady Bird Johnson like said these these ones I think she's the um the famous like plant enthusiast first lady of Lyndon Johnson. Oh, okay. Of his presidency. I see. And so she was like, yeah, we should plant things, but she had this famous thing like let's replant um like plant flowers along the interstates. Like she was really really like beautifying the United States. This was one of the trees that she touted. So, wow. She said we should do this. The nursery industry said we should do this. The people who worked at the arboretums were like we should do this this is a great tree it checks all the boxes and then lo and behold what happens it checks one box we weren't looking to check exactly which is an awful smell and then an invasive species two boxes the third box though comes with the last bit about these trees a they're stone uh stone fruit trees just like cherries and apples and all these other things Mm -hmm. so as soon as i guess they're technically i don't think they're technically stone stone fruit yeah whoops sorry take it back they're poem fruit trees yeah Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, nice job. So they ended up, uh, they sprout just like everything else. So you, if you nick them, they're going to send up sprouts from the roots. Um. If you cut the top off, which you shouldn't do, but if you do, because people do, it's going to send up all these other sprouts. If it gets one little bend in it, it has all these sprouts that come up like an apple tree, you know, with just a million new sprouts that come straight up. Sounds like coppicing. It is. It's coppicing when you don't want coppicing to happen. Casey is, uh, I, uh, I think maybe you smiled because I've mentioned coppicing about seven times yeah. in the last few weeks you because just- I learn a term. <laughs> And I bleed it dry. <laughs> like ruckus. And then I move on. <laughs> hey, that sounds good. Leave it as a husk in our wake. Like the morphology. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I think you should keep using it all the time. Thanks. I think you should use it when it shouldn't be used. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Okay, so I got to wrap this up because I'm just going to go crazy talking about this tree. But the biggest thing is that it also, it just falls apart. So they planted a million different varieties of them. They grew them at mock speeds and planted them everywhere. Right. Because they were meant to be the archetypal tree of just the new development in the world. Help put yourself a nice a nice Bradford pear in front of your new single family home yeah. out in the suburbs. Great work. Spe- I mean, speaking of how, how much are we, you know, if a city orders from yeah. a nursery... Is that how that works? Yeah. Or from whoever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whomever. Uh... Orders like 5,000 Bradford pears. Yeah. What are they paying per unit? Oh, God, like 20 cents. Really? All right. No, I'm making that up a little bit. I don't Let's know. Let's talk modern day. Like, you you work for the city. Uh, yeah. We, we don't get them like that. Well, I mean, I guess we no, we don't buy them anymore because we they're such bad trees. Oh. Give so, me a ballpark. I don't know. They're cheap. Like, you could get a, a, a full-grown tree for like 30 bucks or 40 damn. bucks or something. When you get a nice tree that is actually... a worth a damn uh-huh. it's it's more like two hundred dollars per tree okay so they are dirt cheap dirt cheap and they're grown everywhere and everyone thinks they're so nice they think they're getting this beautiful tree because they're touted as these big beautiful white flowers they don't tell them about the smell they don't tell them how they're awful trees and they sprout they don't tell them how they're going to get about 30 years old and then just start falling apart anytime you get a little bit of snow load they just rip themselves in half but then they rip themselves in half and guess what they do they just grow on back. They sprout like a hydra. Yeah. Ugh, it's so awful. Casey, I, we've never done this before, but I, in the heat of the moment, what is your golden cone score oh my for God. the Bradford pear? 2.1. Whoa! 2.1. This tree sucks. That's I hate really, this tree. That's really low. I don't even like it. I don't even think I like it in its native area. I've never been to China, and I've never seen it in its native area. However, it probably grows a very minor way, and it gets outcompeted by all the other cool-ass trees in China. 2.1 golden cones I of honor. Take a step back. For the Bradford pair from yeah. Dendrologist Casey Clapp yeah. is is icing his brow. I'm so upset. Uh, that was maybe the most fervorous I've ever seen you. <laughs> I I should I should take a step back. See what the people are you're going to be like listening to this and you're going to look in the mirror and realize your eyebrows have been singed <laughs> off. Uh, well, speaking of taking a step back, let me explain uh, the rating system of the show. Every episode, we talk about the tree, then yeah. we give it a rating from zero to ten. Golden cones of honor. This season, honor is spelled H O N O R. Oh, we're I'm, back to our American spelling. That is Casey. classic. I was hoping you were going to do like H O H O N R, and we could oh. make it like a, a a Silicon Valley kind of cool like thing. Internet speak. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, so Casey, two point one golden cones of honor for the for the for the Bradford pair. It's not worth it. It's All not right. worth it. Look at it and walk away. Here's my review of the Bradford pair. I think the fact that it smells as such mm-hmm. is hilarious. <laughs> I think it's really uh, entertaining how passionate people are about the smell of this tree. It's also invasive. You're also passionate about the invasiveness and the ugliness of it when it falls apart and just starts growing new heads. <laughs> All of these are positives to me. What? I think it's a fantastic tree. Alex. I'm going 9.1 Golden <laughs> Cones of Honor for the Bradford Pear. And you can't gonna, stop me. I'm going to break my microphone. My cones are my own. Your cones are your own, and your cones are dumb. They smell, <laughs> and I hate them. No. I can't believe this. A 9.1? Yeah, I think it's hilarious. You put this on par with, like, the ginkgo? Uh, Yeah, in a way. <laughs> I mean, for different Stunt. for different reasons. Where's our Where's our stats keeper? I know we every now and then he sends a message. Oh yeah, we yeah, ask, yeah. Send us a message. Tell us where this lands on Alex's review board. Well, we the, need you. The ginkgo I gave a perfect ten. Yeah, I. That's um, right. The, the this is a nine point one. Don Redwood, I, I think can't. I gave about a nine point. Yeah. Wow. I Alex. think it's a hilarious tree. <laughs> Thank you, nature, for making it. It's <laughs> Thank extremely you, nature entertaining. For making this. What? That averages out to be like more than some other trees. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a 9.1.2.1. Jeez, that's a disgusting average. Yeah. Well, oh my God. It's a disgusting tree. You are, you make me sick. All right, Casey. It is time for our first game of season three. I'm in a daze right now, Alex. You know what? I, I, I say this as your friend and co-host and business partner. You need to get over it. <laughs> Wow. This is a new game, Casey. Okay, I'm going to try and focus. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and re Okay, a new game, Alex. What? <laughs> it's called Trick or Tree. Oh, here's how it works, Case. I am going to say to you a binomial scientific name. Oh, okay. All right. You are going to tell me if it's something that I made up, a trick. Oh, or I a see. real binomial name for a tree. A tree. A tree. That's right. Ah. All right. Okay. Trick or tree. Simple. Okay. Simple concept. Simple concept. Hard to execute. Can it be done? We'll find out. We're about to find out. I see your laptop is open there, oh. and I have all the answers on the show on. notes. We'll see, 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 I just want to okay. see. Okay. See, Thank see, you for yeah. proving. Casey's turned his computer around to show me he's not tabbed into the show notes, and I will not look at them right now. That's right, Casey. Yes. This is not timed or anything. Okay. But Just if, FYI. Okay. There's but, there's going to be no timer. Okay. I really like uh, like the speed rounds, but it makes me panic. Right. I don't, I'm not looking for that today. Okay. It's kind of like the, you know, it gets me, you know, all jittery, so I feel like I'm, I'm ready to go. Okay. Ready? Okay. Here is your first trick or tree. Ooh. Pyrus alucarnum. Alucarnum. Trick or tree. Alucarnum. Alucarnum. Trick. You are correct. It is a trick. Yes. It is something that I am calling the vampire pair. Oh, why is that? Alucarnum named after uh, Alucard of Castlevania fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what gave it away for me, for sure. <laughs> All right. Ready for your next one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Magnolia tulipifera. Ooh, that's another trick because it's actually Liriodendron tulipifera in the Magnolia family. Casey, you are correct. It is a trick. Oh. I'm calling that the tulip magnolia. Yes. Oh, God. I was really worried that you're going to be like, Casey, you're an idiot. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Certainly not the case. All right, thanks. E. Ooh. Casey, here's your third one. Ready? Yes. Quercus coccinea. Trick uh-huh. or tree? After everyone, I'm going to say trick or tree. Okay, sorry. I keep No, it's you okay. Off. It's part of the game. It's canon. It's canon. Quercus coccinea. Trick uh-huh. or tree? That is a tree. That's the scarlet oak. That is correct, Casey. Mm, all right. You are, have earned a piece of candy. Yes, I would like a piece of maple candy. You know, I never have candy in my home just because it's a bad idea for I, me. I think it's fair. But I have so much candy right now. You do? <laughs> I just, I kept having hankerings. Do you have Smarties? No, but I have smart uh, sweet tart ropes, Ooh. which are not related. No, but I really I'm glad that you brought that up. If you're interested, it's the cupboard over my uh, silverware. Honestly, I'm only interested in Smarties. No, oh, sorry. I know a lot of people aren't going to like this. That's my favorite candy. Oh, that's kind of old school of yeah, you. I like I like Smarties. Basically, I'm like, is that semi flavored chalk? 
I'll take it. That's on brand. Yeah. There, there have been <laughs> millions of cool candies invented since, and you're still a Smarties man. Yes, yeah, that's exactly right. All, All right. right. Get a Werther's original, please. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. Uh, I like that uh, black licorice chewing gum. <laughs> it's just black licorice. All right, Casey. Here is your fourth okay. tree or trick. Prunus Californica trick. Or treat. Ooh. Prunus Californica. You just said trick or treat. Oh, uh, trick or tree. All right. Okay. Prunus Californica. That would be the something that's called the California cherry. It could also be another thing like a peach or a pin cherry or something like that from California. Hmm. I've never heard of it. I think it's a trick. You are correct. Oh, yes. That is a trick. It's something I'm calling the California cherry. I think that's a very good thing to call it. Thank you very much. I think we should draw up what these would look like. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, each one of the tricks. Next one. Yeah. Acer Machinarium. Ooh. Acer or Machinarium. Machinarium. Trick or tree. Acer Machinarium or Machinarium. Yeah. Can you use it in a sentence? Sure. Wow. Look at that. Acer Machinarium. Would you like me to spell machinarium? I would like that. M-A-C-H-I-N-A-R-I-U-M. Machinarium. I think that's a trick. Casey, you are correct. (gasps) That is a trick. Yes. Something I'm calling the machine maple. Okay, yeah. That seemed very mechanistic. I was like, that that, that, that looks like a uh, robot in uh, Tree's clothing to me. Funny you should say that. Uh, It is, machinarium is the name of an indie point-and-click adventure puzzle game <laughs> awesome that i love uh, and i you, took it for this game i think that's very fair next one casey all right all right all right oxidendrum arboreum Ooh. trick or tree that one tastes like it's a little bit of both to me oxidendrum arboreum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep yep in fact that tastes sour to the tongue uh, i think that's a tree that's the sour wood you are correct casey yeah. that is the sour wood well done thank All right. you last two. Oh, this is exciting nysa aquatica mm-hmm. trick or tree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at I know is a tree. I've never seen it before in my life, but I know where it grows and I want to see one. That is the Water Tupelo. Casey, you are correct. That is a tree. Yes. This is kind of a mashup of Trick or Tree and uh, Binomial Bonanza. This is a little bit. Yeah, this you're is getting fun. Bonus points for each of these ones that you name correctly. Oh, what? Is that another piece of Werther's original, Grandpa? <laughs> That's right, son. All right. All right. Last one, Casey. Omnino. Lycantiosis. Could you say that one more time? Omnimo lycantiosis. Lycantiosis. Omnino lycantiosis. Trick or tree? That's a hard one. Omnino? Omnino. Omnino. Lycantiosis. Lycantiosis. That's it. Omnino lycantiosis. Lycant? Lycantiosis. Lycantiosis. Omnino? I, I want to say yes because it's so complicated that a part of me is like, there's no way Alex came up with this. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say I'm gonna say that's a tree. Casey, it is a trick. No, I was so close, Alex. <laughs> Why did you do this to me? <laughs> Almost a shutout. <gasps> of course, omnino lycantiosis in Latin, completely arbitrary. <laughs> you are joking me. Wow. Um, Nino Lycantiosis. The ultimate irony. Whoa. I just got got. That's, 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 that is, that's a Greek tragedy that I just went through right there. That's right, Casey. That was Trick or Tree. Jeez. Casey, it's time for a completely arbitrary Q and A. Yep. This week, our question is from Camilla. Hello. Hi, Camilla. Hi, Camilla. I was wondering, if you are growing a tree in a pot, will it only ever have the fungal associates that happen to be in the soil you planted it in? Mm -hmm. What does this mean for the health of the tree? Is there any way you can help it find its fungal buddies? Or can the right buddies find the tree through pore dispersal in the wind? Basically, are potted trees sad, sick, and lonely? Thank you, Camilla. Oh. Casey, I love this question because uh, 
you know, fungal associates. I'm big. Yeah. I'm big time fungal associate fan. I think it's reasonable. I'm also a big time fun- fungal associate fan. See, f- this is the 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 sweet rich irony. Yeah, fungal associates are a fan of this podcast. Yeah, and we're a fan of fungal associates. Exactly. It's a it's a self perpetuating system. Yes, it has yeah. layers. It does. It really does. Like well, a like an onion. Well, Casey, what do you think? Okay. Are potted trees sad sick and lonely yep. or will they find their own fungal associates or do you have to introduce them to them will they find it oh i love that question because it just it, it, i imagine like some tree that's just like afloat in the ocean just looking for its fungal associates yeah. you know it's like a, it's like all of a sudden it's gonna be like it's at a party it's walking around doesn't quite know who it is where it's at and all of a sudden like the crowd parts and like you know air supply comes on uh-huh. making love out of nothing at all then you look over and you're like wow there's my fungal associate and she's like hi I'm Chantrell. Oh, that was so good. Yes. Oh gosh, I'm so I need to I need to watch this 80s movie now. It is so hot in this room. <laughs> it is. We're going to get through it. <laughs> anyway, the answer to that question is both. Yes, trees and pots are sad, alone and oh. lonely, but also they will find their own fungal associates over time if conditions are right. Interesting. So, there are many oftentimes that people would um, plant a tree, like this happens in forestry, where they would cut all the trees down, all the fungus in the area would die or start to change to a different kind of fungus. They plant the tree back and there's not a whole lot of fungus there for those trees to connect to. Right. But that's because they live off of other trees. So if you don't have the trees, then the fungus goes away, right? I think we talked about this in our Patreon old growth yes. uh, episode. We absolutely did. And it's still, it's exactly the case here. So that sad, lonely tree that's growing in the pot, it probably does not have the fungal associate that it wants initially when you plant it in there right? because it's just not there. Even if it did have pores that came over and it grew down into the soil, when it went down there to try and find a buddy to live with, it couldn't oh, find it. Because fungal associates also need fungal associates. Exactly. You see it exactly the way it is. So this community-based uh, th- metaphor right. is just deep. It's thick. Perfect. Yeah. So in this case, um, there are pores that are just dispersed all over the place. But let's say that you're planting a weird exotic kind of tree in a pot in your yard in the middle of Portland, mm-hmm. but that tree is actually from some completely different place, then its fungal associate may not be there. There may be another fungal associate that will come and live and kind of take over that, but that fungal associate also needs resources in the soil itself. I see. So most of the time, it, there is already fungus there. It's already floating around. It's going to find what, it, what it's going to find. But sometimes the pot just doesn't have the nutrient resource that the fungus wants itself. And that tree would not be um, dying or sad and lonely and unhappy because it doesn't have a fungal associate. It would be sad and dying and unhappy because it's in such a constrained little area. I see. Where tree roots will want to grow out as far as they can in every direction except down. They go only like in top two to three feet of soil. Right. Sometimes only like up to maybe five feet at most. But they just want to grow straight out so as soon as they hit that side of the pot they start circling around and they use up all their resources really really fast because they're huge things most of the time that sounds kind of maybe like uncomfortable and painful like you're you're trying to to fit into clothes that don't quite fit you yeah uh, the the one that i have the uh, analogy i've provided has Mm -hmm. been um similar to foot binding where you are literally trying to keep something that should be growing larger a small size it's not quite like foot binding but it's like bonsai they do this a lot where they specifically keep cutting the roots and keeping the tree more or less small and stressed so that it is always constantly growing out to the sides of the pot and then they pull it up and they prune the roots again so then the tree keeps growing out gets pruned back growing out pruned back but they're doing that to the roots here's my own similar foot binding metaphor all right it's like a sourdough starter mm-hmm. that you feed, but you don't dump out half. Oh, yeah. So it just gets like mashed into this tiny little thing and explodes yeah. out of the top. That's right. Yeah. It's exactly like that, except there w- there is no top. It's so it just- not going to explode. Yeah. But it also runs out of water and it kind of seals up and, and um, gets root bound on itself. Oh, and then, God. so you end up getting this, um, this plant that has a bunch of roots. The soil is not quite there. It can't- um, function correctly because it's like cutting itself off in different places um, and there's just too many roots to survive so even if you put a bunch of water in there it just absorbs as much as it can but the rest kind of just flows away well that's terrible yeah. sounds like a tortured life it is so I wouldn't keep a tree in a pot for too long and if you do make sure to pull it up and prune 
some of the roots every now and then and then mm. put it back in there, kind of fluff the soil around a little bit. Um, I am not a very good bonsai-er or bonsai-er, depending mm-hmm. on how you say it. Um, but there's lots of different resources on how to do it well and keep the tree, if not happy, because I feel like if we're going to add that kind of idea to a tree, eh, maybe if you leave it in a tiny pot and you constantly cut its roots back and then replant it, the tree's probably not going to be stoked. But you do it when it sleeps and then you, when it wakes up in the springtime, it's like, oh, I'm just going and it just goes. Right. It can go either way. So maybe a pot would be good for like an intermediary step. Yeah, exactly. But at some point, you either want to go full bonsai, which is you are taking care of that tree as if it is a child that needs to be fed and watered every single day. Or you just do it so it gets big and then when you find a nice place to plant it, you put it in the ground. Once it's in the ground, there are fungal associates all over the place. Those yeah, fungal man. associates will get together. They'll work on that tree. Tree will work on the fungal associates. It also has different resources in the ground that those fungus many times are eating. So they would be decaying organic matter. They right. would be um, getting into untapped resources that are further out or finding um, nitrogen that's in there that hasn't been um, broken up yet, and they'll be metabolizing that. That's when the party really starts. That's exactly when the party starts. That's when everyone's like, hey, what's up? Oh, who you're here? Oh, what's up? Yeah, yeah. And then everyone's connected. Uh, thank you so much for your question, Camilla. And if you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's the one. Go ahead and throw tree question in the subject line. That helps us out a whole lot. You sure do. Uh, follow us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. Or you can support the podcast even more by joining our Patreon. The Tree Huggers, the Arboretum, the Cone of the Month Club. You've heard it all before. We love you guys. We love you so, so, so much. And welcome back. We made some changes, didn't we? We had a new theme song that we thought was pretty yes. fun. Yeah. We, we didn't we didn't think we were stagnant. Don't get us wrong. No, but it was time for a bit of a polish and shine. We just like adding new things. We were, Alex was like, I found another cool song. I kind of want to, should we just do this? I'm like, let's do it. Yeah, we are adaptive beings, much like the trees we covered, yep, Casey. That's exactly right. We are the Bradford pair of people. Oh, get out of here. Get I'm, over it, man. It's not. true. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. I think we're in for a good season, Case. I think we are. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Bundles. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.